All right, let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1, please. Verse number 39 is where we'll begin. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. As you can see on your outline today, I'm preaching a sermon to you called Spirit-Filled Fellowship. We'll be covering down to verse 45 about the time that Mary came and met with her much older cousin Elizabeth. And they certainly did enjoy some Spirit-Filled Fellowship. Luke chapter 1. Verse 39, how many of you in cold weather like this, I'm sure you're like me, your fingers don't work right. Is that, it, it, I, I, all through Sunday school I couldn't feel my fingers, but what's worse is I couldn't feel my face. And when you're trying to speak, that's a challenge, right? So if you see me doing that, I'm trying to defrost and break the ice a little bit. That's all that's going on there. Luke chapter 1 and verse 39. It says here, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Might I pause there just for a moment to point out to you what Mary is looking for. She's gone to the house of Elizabeth because the angel Gabriel has just told her a few verses before That Elizabeth has also fallen pregnant, who was thought barren and in her old age has conceived. Mary, if you think about the news that she just received about how Jesus would be in her womb and how the Holy Spirit would overshadow her, who else can she talk to about this? Joseph, no doubt, would be somebody she could consult with. But if there's anybody that can understand what she's going through, it might be And it should be Elizabeth. She is looking for like-minded fellowship. She found something even better. What she's going to find is spirit-filled fellowship. If I can draw your attention to the outline just for a moment, I've given you two quotes about the importance of Christian fellowship. This first one from a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I think is how you say it. German theologian in the days of Hitler. He died at the age of 39, standing for God. He had this to say, The physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. To that I say, Amen. We cannot underestimate the importance of being around each other. Hence the apostle says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We need each other. And not only for like-minded fellowship, but a step above that is spirit-filled fellowship. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers, was his nickname. He had this to say in our second quote, Satan always hates Christian fellowship. It is his policy to keep Christians apart. Now, of course, Spurgeon wrote this and said this in the days way before COVID. But I wonder how this statement would now fit our day and age. Anything, we continue here, anything which can divide saints from one another, he delights in. He said anything which can divide them. Anything. Whether that's COVID regulations or cold weather. I'm looking into the camera squarely. (laughs) 
Spurgeon continued on by saying, He, that's Satan, attaches far more importance to godly intercourse than we do. Think of that for a moment. The devil attaches far more importance to godly intercourse than we do. He knows how important it is. That's why he works so hard to keep us apart. Interesting thought. Since union is strength, he does his best to promote separation. If I can draw your attention to the verse below this, Psalm 133 verse 1, David had this to say about spirit-filled fellowship. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So before we finish our passage, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, help us this morning. We desire not only to meet with each other. We've done that. Now we want to meet with you. I believe we've already started that well as we've sung these great songs. We want to press on to that higher ground and sing and worship and talk about how great you are. Lord, the fellowship we desire today, we want to kick it up a notch. We want that spirit-filled fellowship. Please now help us meet with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's continue reading now in our text in verse number 41. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now she said all of this with a loud voice, not an obnoxious voice. Let's, let's make a difference there. She's not being obnoxious or rude. She's not trying to draw attention to herself. I would say it's one of two things. Either there are other people in the house and she is not ashamed to declare these things. Hence it is a bold statement. But we don't read about anybody else in the house which leads me to think that Elizabeth was simply excited by what she had just learned. And when you are excited and passionate about something you can't help but get a little loud. <laughs> just happens. In verse number 44, For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Elizabeth is excited. She feels this moving within. She's stirred from within. But it's not just her, it's little baby John. Stirring within. And Elizabeth can't help but get excited. Look back at verse 43. Whence is this to me? That the mother of my Lord should come to me. She asked a question. What did I deserve, what did I do rather, to deserve such a great honor? That the mother of my Lord should come to me. Notice she's not praising Mary necessarily as much as the Lord that is in her womb. That's what makes this visit so precious. Elizabeth asked the question and then answered it herself. She at least explains why she's answering the, or uh, why she's asking the question. In verse 44, for lo, as soon as I heard your voice, this is what happened. Have you ever been that excited to be around somebody else? You ask a question, give the answer. Ask a question, you, you just do all the talk. She's just excited. Mary will get her chance and next week we're going to look at Mary's response, a wonderful response. But today we want to learn a few things from Elizabeth's side of it. In verse 43, this question, 
What did I do to deserve this great honor? I remember thinking that as a young Christian myself. After I got saved, that old crowd I used to run with and hang out with, you know, they just weren't that funny anymore. The jokes we used to tell, the things we used to laugh at, the, the places we used to go, it all seemed like a good idea at the time. But after I got saved, it just wasn't that amusing anymore. The jokes weren't funny, the games weren't fun, the conversations weren't that interesting. And actually, I found their company to be rather defiling and disturbing at some point. But then as I started getting faithful and busy in the church, God brought new friends into my life. And I remember standing back a few times and looking at these new friends. Older, younger, every, just completely different crowd. And I remember thinking, I don't fit in with them. All they want to do is talk about the Lord. They want to sing psalms. They're talking about prayer. And even when we weren't talking about something biblical or something about God or His Son, the conversations were clean the jokes were upright. I didn't walk away feeling embarrassed or ashamed that I had been in their company. They actually made me want to love God more. Not long after that, we went off to Bible school and here I am, four hours a night, Monday to Friday, I get to be around 100, 200 other guys. All we want to do is talk about the Lord. Those days, I remember Dr. Ruckman telling us in Bible school, he said, guys, soak it up while you can. Because there'll never be another time in your life that you get to spend this much time around godly, spirit-filled fellowship. Oh, hang on to that. You know, one of the precious things about having Bible school in person is that even though it's seven or eight or ten people in that small little room of ours, getting to be together makes that lesson even more precious. Now, what Mary and Elizabeth get to enjoy... It's not just the fellowship with each other that's so precious, but they both are experiencing a very unique and extraordinary work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. When you think about Mary's case, the Holy Spirit has overshadowed her and that's how Jesus came to be conceived. Elizabeth has also experienced God doing something in her own conception, but now she has received this incredible revelation from the Spirit so not only are Mary and Elizabeth enjoying each other, they are enjoying fellowship with and through the Holy Spirit. What an incredible, let's say, strength of unity. You might remember the verse in Ecclesiastes, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Fellowship between one person and another, great. But when you include the Spirit of God in on that fellowship, that creates a bond that is very difficult to break. Let's look at a few things this morning from the passage. Let me draw your attention first to verse number 41. And this will be point number one on your outline. You can simply write there, the Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks. I think it's important when we're talking about the subject of Spirit-filled fellowship that you first need to know that you personally can fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The Bible actually tells us to commune with the Spirit in 2 Corinthians 13. In Philippians 2, it says we can have the fellowship of the Spirit. Now for some, when they hear this, they, they do one of two things. One reaction is to say, that's a Pentecostal idea. 
You know, these guys that focus on the Holy Spirit and all they talk about is spirit, spirit, spirit. Let's not allow any denomination to, to take ownership of him. The Holy Ghost is a biblical reality and all of us are able to have that fellowship. That is not peculiar to one denomination at all. But the second reaction is this. When somebody says you can walk in the Spirit, you can be filled with the Spirit. Yes, that's a general truth, but not in my life. That, that might apply to others, but not to me. It is something that can apply to you. I want you to know today that the Holy Spirit wants to, can, and probably is trying to speak to you. The Holy Spirit speaks. In verse 41, it came to pass when Elizabeth heard the sound, or heard the salutation rather of Mary, the babe leaped and Elizabeth was filled. Now, the baby gets excited. We know from chapter 1 and verse 15, maybe you can just look at that quickly. At the end of verse 15, the angel told Zacharias that John will be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. I wonder, as, as Elizabeth's pregnancy drew on, how many times she felt the baby kick and she thought, I wonder if this is it. If I'm Elizabeth, I'm trying to figure out what is it like when my unborn child is filled with the Holy Spirit? How will I know that? This is going to be one massive kick, you know. How does this work? And the, John is getting excited because Jesus has just come in the room. You understand that? When the presence of God manifests itself in your life, if the Holy Spirit is inside of you, something will start to move. You'll know it. If you long to spend time in the presence of God and that finally happens, something just clicks inside and you go, this is it. This is it. Elizabeth begins to say in verse 42, you're blessed among women, blessed the fruit of the womb, the Lord is in your womb. Verse 45, blessed is she that believed. How did Elizabeth know this? How did she know that the Lord Jesus Christ is in Mary's womb? Mary didn't say it. All Mary said was, hello. <laughs> That's really digging a lot out of a simple hello. Hello, Jesus. <laughs> I wish it was that simple, right? The only logical conclusion here is that the Holy Spirit revealed to Elizabeth, somehow downloaded into her memory, what was told to Mary. And Elizabeth is now taking on this new information and speaking to Mary accordingly. He said, Pastor, can the Holy Spirit even now reveal these kind of hidden truths to an individual? Sure, sure, yes, yes. There will be many times in your life you need specific advice that fits your situation. God, what do I do about my job? Should I marry this person? Should I go to this mission field? What should I do? We know the general things because he's revealed them to, to us in the scripture. But what about my situation, the, the nuances of it? The Spirit of God can lead you. He can speak to you. But let's be honest, what happens with Elizabeth, what happened with Mary, very extraordinary, wasn't it? And we may not experience this great of a revelation, but make no mistake, the Holy Spirit can and will speak with you. Can I ask you to hold your place here and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2? While you're finding that, let me remind you of something Paul said in Romans 8. In verse number 16, he says, For the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 
Pastor, how can I recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life? He will begin to speak to you as a father to a child. I know this from both sides as having a father and being a father. I know when my father is trying to help me and warning me of danger. When my father is trying to encourage me and say, son, I love you. I, I've experienced the full gamut of those emotions in the earthly realm. And now that I'm saved and born again and a child of God, I have experienced from the heavenly realm as well. When I get off into something I shouldn't be doing, I can feel the Holy Spirit within saying, uh, son, not in this family. That old life, yes, but if you want to have fellowship with me, if you want to walk with me, we can't walk together unless we're agreed. So I love you and I want you to get that right. I can feel that tug on my heart and I know that's the Holy Ghost because I didn't put that thought there. Those are the things I liked doing before I got saved, but now that the Spirit of God is in, He gently and patiently leads me away from that stuff. Speaks to me as a father to a child. He can bear witness to you. Let me show you one way that he does it. 1 Corinthians 2 verse number 9. The Bible says, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. We read this verse and we say, well, there you go. We just cannot figure it out. The half has not been told, right? Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. We just don't get it. It's too good. The things that God has prepared for us, they're too good. This whole walking in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, that's too good. That's too high. That's not me. But wait, verse 10, but God. <laughs> wait just a second. Before you say, we can't get it, well, God has revealed it. Verse 10, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man... Save the spirit of man which is in him. How do I understand the way a man feels? How can I understand how you feel? Because I have the same human spirit dwelling in me. We share that in common. Verse 11, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. How can I understand the way God works and the way God speaks? The spirit of God lives inside. Verse 12, now we have received... Not the spirit of the world, so we don't think like them, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. All these deep things, all these spiritual blessings in heavenly places, we can, with time, wrap our heads around them. As the spirit of God reveals them to us, but it's not as if he needs to come to us like Elizabeth. The spirit of God revealed these things to Paul and Paul wrote them down. And now if you want to be, this is the most sure way to learn how God speaks. Learn your Bible. The, by reading, studying, memorizing, meditating on the scripture, you are familiarizing yourself with how God speaks. And then when the still small voice of the Spirit begins to rise up in your heart, it won't be a foreign voice. It won't be an unknown tongue. You'll hear it clearly and say, I know that's my Father speaking. In verse 13, look at what Paul says here. Which things also we speak. So the things, the deep things the Spirit has revealed, Paul says those are the things I'm talking about. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. Paul says you're not going to find the deep things of God in philosophical textbooks. That's man's wisdom. 
where are we going to find the revelation from God? Verse 13, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. So not the words of a man, but the words of the Holy Ghost. Where, where are those? Where do we find those words? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We have the words of God, the, the words of the Spirit right here in our laps this morning. Verse 13 at the end, notice this, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I, I think that's incredibly important that we notice this. When Elizabeth begin to speak loudly and say, blessed is this, blessed is that, blessed are you. Everything she said could be confirmed by Mary. And everything the, the angel had told Mary about the, the Holy Spirit coming on her and Jesus being in is now being confirmed by Elizabeth. Notice they compared spiritual things with spiritual. Sometimes we get the idea that the Holy Spirit speaking is very mysterious and mystical and nobody can actually understand it. We just, if somebody says, the Holy Spirit told me, we just take their word for it. We have to be more careful than that. We can compare spiritual things with spiritual. When somebody says, I think God said this, we can open our Bibles and say, let's see if that is in line with the way God actually talks. And sometimes God will say something to you and the only thing you can do, you'll search the scriptures, but the thing he told you is so specific, you can only wait and see if that was God. But I know this, God set it up like this in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word gets established. Our God is a confirmation kind of God. He understands that we may not get it the first time around, so God, I think that's you. Can you please confirm that? And God will send it again. He'll send that same message maybe through another avenue and maybe it takes a third try or a fourth try. But if you lack wisdom, you can ask of God and he will give it to you. What did Jesus say? Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For what father among you, if you have a son and he asks bread, will you give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? Of course not. And if ye, being evil, know how to give good things unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him, God, I need the bread. I need some substance. I need something to help me. And that help will come to you. The Holy Spirit can use so many things to speak to you. But he will. He will. I've given a few other options on your paper here. Hebrews 3 verse 7. Notice this verse. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith. Can he speak? Yes. There it is. The Holy Ghost saith. Today, if you will hear his voice. And it goes on to say, harden not your hearts. The apostle in Hebrews is quoting from Psalms. Chapter 95 specifically, if my memory serves. Notice when he quotes it, he said the Holy Ghost is speaking. Speaking through what? Through the Old Testament. Where am I going to find the voice of the Spirit? In your Bible. That's the most sure way. That's why Peter said we have a more sure word of prophecy. And that prophecy is found in the Scripture. That's why we trust the Bible so much. It teaches us what the Spirit sounds like. Verse the verse below that, Hebrews 10, verse 15 and 16, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. 
He's quoting Jeremiah chapter 31, but notice the apostle says, the Holy Ghost is bearing witness and he's speaking to us. How? Through our Bibles. Through our Bibles. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Micaiah, that great prophet in the days of Ahab. Ahab, king of Israel, wanted to go out to battle against Ramoth Gilead. 1 Kings chapter 22. And Ahab, rather, he wants some help, so he gets Jehoshaphat in on it. Jehoshaphat says, can we at least hear from a, a prophet of God before we go out to battle? Ahab said, I got plenty of them, 450. Bring them in, boys. In they march, and they all say the same thing. King, go up, go up and prosper. You're going to win the war. No doubt, man, you're the man. You're the man. You're the man. Jehoshaphat turns to Ahab and says, I thought you said you had a prophet of God here. Isn't there a real man of God? Because these are just a bunch of yes men. Is there not a prophet of the Lord here? And Ahab said, yeah, there's this one guy, but I hate him. He never says anything good about me. That's the kind of preacher you want. <laughs> the one that'll tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Amen. So he gets Micaiah in there. And, and while the guy is escorting Micaiah, Micaiah, Micaiah into the room, he says, now listen, everybody else has said something good. Can you just this one time, please, Micaiah, just one time say something positive? Micaiah says, listen here, whatever God tells me to say, that's what I'm going to say. He walks in the room and Ahab said, all right, Micaiah, what's the word from God? He said, go up and prosper. You're going to win. You the man. And King Ahab said, now knock it off. How many times have I told you? Quit teasing me. Tell me what God said. He said, all right, I'll tell you what he said. Heaven, heaven up there, they had a, uh, a board meeting about you. And the decision coming down from heaven's boardroom is that all of these preachers that are telling you what you want to hear, there's a lying spirit in their mouth. And they're all leading you astray. King, you go up to battle, you're going to die. And right about that time, let me direct your attention to the bottom of your outline, 1 Kings 22. But Zedekiah the son of Canaan went near and smote Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way went the spirit of the Lord from me to speak unto thee? Notice Zedekiah here claims to be filled with the Spirit. He claims to be acting and speaking on behalf of the Spirit, but we must be more careful than to take this preacher's word for it. Just because he says, I feel the Spirit within, doesn't mean it's the Holy Spirit. Notice Micaiah's answer. He says in verse 25, Behold, thou shalt see in that day. He said, let's just wait and see. You think the Spirit of the Lord is in you? Let's wait and see. If you're telling the truth, then your message will be verified when Ahab comes back alive from the battle. Let's wait and see. He says, but I know that you're going to go into an inner chamber and hide yourself. Which means, I know you're going to lose. Let's wait and see when you're hiding because Ahab is lost and you've lost your job and the enemy's coming for you. Then we'll see if you still think you're filled with the Spirit. Say, preacher, why point this out? We must be careful we, we can be and we must be careful when somebody says the Spirit of God said, I hope it's true. I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And would to God you had a sensitive heart and, and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. But as he speaks, we can't just take everybody's word for it. The simple believes every word. But a prudent man looks well to his going. If somebody says the Spirit told me, make sure that you can confirm that message with what we know to be from the Holy Spirit. If I can point out the next thing in our passage today, you can come back to Luke chapter 1. 
Elizabeth, filled with the Spirit. Point two, she seeks to be a blessing. So the first thing I want you to know about Spirit-filled fellowship is that you personally can have it. You, young or old, black or white, no matter how long you've been saved, you can have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He can speak to you. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Today. But then when somebody is filled with the Spirit, one thing that is always going to be true is they are going to seek to be a blessing. I think you should notice this as we look at these verses again. In verse 42, do you see what Elizabeth said? Blessed art thou. Blessed is the fruit. Verse 45, blessed is she that believed. Not one time did Elizabeth say, I'm filled with the Spirit. She didn't have to point that out because that's not the point of being filled with the Spirit. He doesn't fill you so that you can get recognition and honor. He fills you to use you as a vessel meet for the Master's use. Elizabeth filled with the Spirit now wants to be a blessing. Let's imagine for a moment this conversation if Elizabeth had not fallen pregnant with John and did not receive any revelation from the Spirit. Play it out in your mind for a moment. Mary shows up at her house. Hello, Elizabeth. So good to see you. Uh, I got some big news. I didn't know where else to go. Maybe I could pass this by you. Tell me what you think. I believe an angel came to me. Said I'm going to have a child. Oh, are, are, I know that your wedding's coming up. Joseph must be thrilled you're going to have a baby so soon. No, 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 not married yet. Uh, going to have the baby actually before I'm ever with Joseph. Say what? Yeah, I'm, this is going to be that virgin birth thing. Remember Isaiah prophesied it? That's me. Now, without the Holy Spirit, without divine intervention, what would most people do? They would think Mary is making up this elaborate story to cover up transgression. Natural ears will automatically assume the worst. But when somebody is filled with the Spirit, they take on what the Holy Spirit has said and they treat that person according to what God has told them. So now Elizabeth, as soon as Mary walks in, all she can think is, wow, what a blessing. What a blessing. Mary, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed. Three blessings in the passage, right? Triple blessed. <laughs> Triply blessed. Is that a word? Triply blessed. There's actually two Greek words used here. In verse 42 you have, I think it's the word eulogia, which is where we get the word eulogy. And then verse 45, it's a different Greek word, but it all says blessed. And here's the meanings that you have for blessed or blessing. In verse 42, it's the word for compliment. It's recognizing what someone else has done. It's, it's praising them. And Mary deserves it here. Not because of her own person necessarily, but what God has done in her. And then in verse 45, that word blessed there, it, it's highly favored. Set aside or honored by God. You know it would be real nice from time to time if we spend time around each other. Why don't you lift that person up with a few compliments? Not just I like your haircut. Is that a new shirt? I'm glad you noticed. 
But I would really appreciate, and wouldn't you appreciate somebody recognizing what God has been doing in your life? Wouldn't that be nice to sit around and say, Brother, tell you what, I, I, I know you from back then and I know you now. Man, God's been working in you. You're a blessing to me. You encourage me. I'm so glad to see God using you. What can I do to help you get used of God more? I just want to be a blessing. Elizabeth and Mary got to share this joy together. I'm sure that Mary, she's altogether thrilled at what God's doing and probably a bit scared, wouldn't you agree? She's probably a bit scared. She, as she comes into this room, there's really only one person that can walk her through this and that would be Elizabeth. She's clued in. She's filled with the Spirit. She knows how it is to have God doing something strange in your life. She needs somebody to lift her up and be a blessing. For Elizabeth, this wasn't a, a burden. You can see in verse 43, it was an honor. It was a privilege to get to spend time around somebody else filled with the Spirit, God working in them. Mary's a new mother. She's going to be a new wife. She's carrying the Savior of the world. She has to adjust now to this. She doesn't need anybody breaking her down. She needs somebody to build her up. And guys, as we go through our days and weeks, especially these days of COVID, things can be difficult and confusing and frustrating. We need some time together to build each other up, to provoke each other to love and to good works. I recently, of course, you know, became grandpa for the second time. Right after little Maddie was born, I received a video clip from that side. And it was a clip of Steon and Megan coming home from the hospital with Maddie in, the, in the, the car seat, I guess you'd call it. And they're bringing her in, and this is the first time that Chloe... Our, our first grandchild, first time Chloe gets to meet Maddie. I cannot tell you how many times I've watched that video. I love that video. I watched it this morning. Twice. <laughs> Chloe's sitting on the couch. They bring Maddie in. They set her down. Steon says to Chloe, Maddie was born. This is your sister. Now Chloe's, I think one and a half, and she looks at that little baby, one day old, wrapped completely, head covered, all you can see is the, just a the little bit of the face. She looks down at that precious child and says, Aww, she's really pretty. <laughs> and then she did what only a precious one and a half year old could do. She put her hands like this. And she was so delicate, so tender, and said, oh, and barely touching her. Oh, melt a grandpa's heart. She looked up at her dad. She said, I like her. She's my friend. She just met her. She doesn't know that girl. They haven't had time to talk. All she knows is, we're in the same family. I'm so glad. I've been waiting for you to be born. I've been hearing about you, and here it is. A few minutes later, she also said, I love her. 
You know what I would love to see happen? Here's one brother in Christ. And here comes another brother in Christ. And the Holy Spirit comes right between them. Puts his arms around him and whispers in the ear of this one. And says, hey, that's your brother. Remember this guy? You've been praying for him. You've been waiting for God to work in his life. And now he's born again. He's in your family. Wouldn't it be nice if rather than turning to him and looking for what's wrong and trying to pull the moat out of his eye and trying to find a reason not to get along with him, but to look at him and go, oh, he's so pretty. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> he's my friend. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something to throw your arms around each other and say, listen, I'm just glad we're in the same family and, and you and I, I don't know you that well, but we got one thing that ties us together and it can't be broken. I, I, I'm so glad God's working in your life. I want to be a blessing to you. I just want you to know I'm on your side. I like you. I love you. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're my friend. And we may not have all the same interest in every area of life, but we got this in common. We love the Lord Jesus Christ beyond measure. And we can enjoy that aspect of our relationship. Can I show you one more thing about this passage? The Spirit does speak. He can speak to you. I hope you're listening. You know, sometimes we need a kick in the, a kick in the seat of the stomach right here. I was going to say seat somewhere else, but sometimes we need a kick. Right, Elizabeth, she got a kick and that's how it kind of sparked everything else. Sometimes we need a little prick inside to make us aware of the fact that the Holy Spirit's trying to deal with us, trying to speak to us. Once he starts working, all you need to do is be a blessing to that other person. You know that Mary stayed there for three months, right? Did you know that? Look at verse 56. Mary abode with her about three months. You see that? What do you think they talked about all day and night? They didn't talk about the Holy Spirit all day and all night. They didn't talk about God and Jesus all day and all night. They talked about other things. Sure they did. You know what Mary was doing for three months? Getting pre-marriage counseling. Really, I'm, I'm serious. That's what Jewish women did. Before they would get married, they'd spend time with an older lady getting tips on how to be married. So they're talking about very practical things. How do you get the dishes done and the laundry done? And how do you go to the market? And how do you deal with your husband's bad attitude? And all of that stuff. She's learning all of that. Elizabeth was a blessing. But then I want you to notice in verse 41, 42, all through this passage, Elizabeth is filled with joy. Would you agree with that? You can kind of feel it as you read the verses. There's just a lot of joy there. She's so happy for Mary. So point three, the joy spills over. The joy spills over. Elizabeth is excited, but then look at verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Elizabeth's joy is now kind of spilled over onto Mary. You know something I've noticed about being around spirit-filled fellowship? When you're around somebody else that's in love with God, it is, you cannot remain comfortably neutral around that person. That person will provoke you and, and almost draw you in. To, one of two things is going to happen. Either you will also get excited about the Lord, you'll be brought up to their level, or you'll get under deep conviction. One or the other. But you cannot be around that person and feel nothing about it. 
And that's why it's so important that we have spirit-filled fellowship. Somebody that can keep your fire going. Especially on a day like today. <laughs> Something to stir us from within. The baby John got excited. That spilled over to Elizabeth. Elizabeth got excited. That spilled over to Mary. Mary got excited. She spills it out towards God. It reminds me of what David said in the book of Psalms. My cup runs over. My cup runs over. I like the thought of that. You know, there's that cup sitting on the table and you pour a little water in it, water in it and that's fine. And it gets excited. But you keep pouring more and more water. It just can't contain itself after a while. It, it gets overwhelmed by this joy and it spills out and then the table gets a blessing. The cup just gets so much of a blessing it can't handle it and it spills out and then the table gets a blessing. And if God just keeps pouring it on, then eventually it spills off the table onto the floor. Then the floor gets a blessing. And if you keep pouring it on, it goes out the door and then the garden gets a blessing. And it just keeps going and going and the joy can spill over. Have you ever been around anybody that when you get to talking about the Lord with them, you never want to quit? Isn't that an exciting conversation? Don't you have some friends like that? Where you can sit down and you don't have to feel awkward about talking about Jesus. You know, I got some folks that come around and I have to, I have to pick just the perfect time to bring up the name Jesus because I don't want to trouble them. I'm not sure how they feel about him. But oh, how wonderful it is to be around some folks where I can talk about the Lord. We can talk about praying. We can talk about singing. We can sing together. We can pray together. And it's not awkward. And I don't even have to apologize for the fact that I'm a human. Here's what I mean by that. They understand that I'm a work in progress. And I don't have to put on a show as if I got everything figured out. Because they know how it feels to have the Holy Spirit working within. And they can be patient with me and I can be patient with them. That is such a sweet time of fellowship. You know, there's this great miracle that Jesus did when he changed the water into wine. And when he did this, it was at a wedding celebration, right? At a wedding feast. Well, a celebration, that's a time for joy. And at this, at this feast, you don't want to serve water, do you? If it's, if it's a celebration, you needed to have wine at the feast. This is a common theme throughout the Old Testament. You'll see it. If the nation can no longer produce wine, that means it's a time of famine or destruction. This is often what God points out. You'll see it all through the prophets. He's going to take away all the vineyards and all the wine. He's taking the joy out of the nation. So if you're at a feast and they run out of wine, you've run out of joy. That's the idea. We know what Jesus did. He shows up and he changes that water to wine. You know what he did? He kept the joy flowing. They started off with wine, then they'd run out. You know what happens often? We start off with something refreshing, something joyful. We're excited and passionate about the things of God. We can feel the Spirit working within us. But then as time goes on, the wine runs out and it turns to water. And you become bland and boring in the spiritual sense. Oh, you can talk about the rugby. And God help you if you talk about cricket. That's beyond water. You're just a, a drought. And that's fine. You can talk about rugby. You can even talk about cricket, I guess. You can talk about any, anything. All right, keep it clean, but you can talk about anything. But that's just water. 
We need something where God has put his hand on it and, 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 and a little bit of that glorious power on it changed it from the blandness of this world to something special that'll keep the joy flowing. Maybe today you need to ask God to reach his hand down and change your water to wine. This deadness you feel within, it might help you to get around some other people that have that joy flowing. Let it spill out on you. I was chatting with somebody as they came in the door today. We got this new handshake, you know, where we, it's not even a handshake, it's, it's rubbing elbows. Well, I used to say that all the time. I, I want to be around people. I can rub elbows with them, right? I used to be a saying, you want some of whatever they have to rub off on you. Now it's like actually happening. <laughs> whatever you have is rubbing off on me. We need that kind of fellowship. That's why we need church. That's why we need a small group meeting. That's why we want to take advantage of every opportunity we have to get together. I'm going to finish today by reading you something from A.W. Tozer's book, The Crucified Life. Forgive me, it's a few lines, but I think it'll make the point very nicely. Tozer mentions several names of various Christian preachers and authors down all throughout church history. Some of these names might be familiar to you. Thomas Akempis and Francis de Sales and John Fox, Andrew Murray, Nicholas von Sinzendorf. He goes on to say, the men that I've named formed a sacred fellowship through the years. So it's not as if they knew each other, but when you read their books, they all had something in common. He said, these men rose up like, prophet, like the prophets of Israel and did not change their doctrine. They just professed it against the hollow externalisms of the world. Do you understand what he's saying? Hollow externalisms. Don't put on a show. You're not going to convince us the Holy Spirit's in you by repeating his name over and over again. That's externalism. If he has truly filled you, if you have yielded to him, by the way, that's how you get filled with the Spirit. You yield to him. If that has happened, then the fruit of the Spirit is going to be there. You don't have to try to prove it. It will be there. He goes on to say, But I do not find them by any means in the mainstream of evangelicalism today. There are men in evangelicalism today who are just ordinary men. There's your water. With no longing after God, they grind out their sermons week after week, take little trips here and there, fish and play golf and fool around and then come back and preach. They go on and spend their lives that way. But you cannot speak with them for long because there is nothing of substance to talk about after you have done a little chit-chat business. Now he's talking about preachers, but may you please think about your friends for a moment. Is that the kind of friends you have? Little chit-chat business, but that's it. He goes on to say, not all preachers are that way. There are some whom you can speak with for hours on end and talk about God and Christ. I, I could, oh, God has blessed me with so many friends like that, but one rises to the top of my mind. Brother Joe Costa, pastor in Long Island, New York, I even received an email from him this week. That man, his cup has been running over for 30 years. I got to visit his church back in the early 2000s. I got done preaching that night. He took me home to his house and he sat me down. It was about 8 o'clock at night and he said, Now, now brother, brother, that was a great sermon, but let me tell you what was wrong with it. I said, okay. He said, uh, have you thought about this, this, this? And he starts going through scripture and he wasn't being ugly. 
He was listening to the sermon and he had input. What about this? What about that? We stayed up till two in the morning talking about Bible. We, could, we couldn't get enough of it. The next night we stayed up till four in the morning. We just couldn't stop. He'd take me into his office to pray and he said, all right, Brother Fleck, come on, come on, let's pray, let's pray, come on. And we get down the floor. He said, all right, now God, this guy here, he's from, you know, Lord, he's traveling all over and he needs your help. He needs your help so much. And then he'd look over at me and he'd say, Brother Mike, don't you need his help? <laughs> I go, yep. He'd say, all right, now God, see there, he needs your help. <laughs> We'd lose track of time. We'd just pray together. Then you know what we do? We'd go out in the driveway and shoot hoops for a while. He was a basketball player. Then we'd go in his backyard. We'd play wiffle ball. You guys know that? It's like a children's version of baseball. A little uh, plastic ball with holes in it. And we'd hit that wiffle ball. And in the middle of the game, he'd just stop and say, Brother Mike, isn't it good to be saved? I said, Amen, brother, it is. All right, throw me the ball. <laughs> I like being around him. He's not the only one. We need fellowship like that. Tozer goes on to say these people are practical and clean and cool-headed and have no sympathy for false doctrines. And they keep away from extremes of excitement and fanaticism. What does he mean? They're not trying to put on a show in the spirit. They're not flopping around. They're not being obnoxious. They're not trying to gain attention by talking about the Lord. They're just going about their business loving God. He says they just want to know God and want to be holy. They want to seek the face of Jesus until they are aglow with his light. I have described these men and women because what I really want to know is whether I described you. Would anybody spend time around you and walk away going, that person, they've made me hungrier for God. They make me want to love God more. I want what they have. Mary and Elizabeth got to enjoy spirit-filled fellowship. They were both the better for it. The cup ran over and they just kept blessing each other. May that be true in our lives from this day forward. Let's all stand if you would please. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. We've spoken today about spirit-filled fellowship. You can have it. You can have it with the Holy Spirit. You can have it with others. Pastor, where does it start? Well, Mary had Jesus within that was the basis of their fellowship. Whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The basis was, I'm excited that you brought Jesus with you. If you've never been saved, you can't bring Jesus with you. But that can change today. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been moving in your heart this morning. Maybe you can feel that kicking inside. Maybe he's revealing to you, telling you, sinner, it's time to come home. You, you can be saved. You can be filled with the Spirit of God. You can be different. You can be a blessing.
What did Elizabeth tell Mary? Blessed is she that believed. How about you today, friend? If you've never been saved, would today you believe the message that Christ died for you, that he can save you, that he can live inside of you? Will you accept that today? Say, Pastor, I've already been saved. Wonderful. Now it's time to yield your life as an instrument unto righteousness. God, here I am. Use me. Lead me. I'm alive in the Spirit. Now I want to walk in the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is a daily choice you must make. It sounds like this. Not my will. Thine be done. That's where it starts. If you pray that genuinely, the Spirit of God will lead you. And then you can just seek to be a blessing to everybody around you. Let that cup spill over onto the table, the table to the floor, and etc. Father, thank you for how you've worked in our hearts this morning. I want to thank you, God, for the amazing friends you've put in my life. Greatest of all, you, Lord Jesus, laying down your life for me. Greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. Thank you for being a friend to sinners like me. Thank you for the spirit-filled fellowship. I, I've enjoyed it on that side of the ocean. I've enjoyed it on this side of the ocean. I've enjoyed it in this church. Help us, God, to be a blessing to each other to build each other up, to treat each other according to what the Spirit has told us. Father, maybe somebody today is here not saved. Please continue to kick and prick and work in their heart until Jesus comes in. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.